Hello and welcome to The Ball Bags, a weekly podcast breaking down all the news from the United Rugby Championship, the NFL, the English Premier League, the NBA and the wide world of sport. Hello and thanks very much for tuning into this week's episode of the Ball Bags. This is the final episode this side of Christmas, Hanukkah, or whatever religious celebration you engage in. And um, we'll be back in 2024, dates TBC. But as per the norm, delighted to be joined by the Chief. How are you, my fine sir? I'm good, Tasquatch. How are you? Yeah. All good, all good. Uh, beginning to feel a bit Christmassy, not gonna lie. Yeah. And look, the man of the hour. Too sweet to be sour. It's Rocky. How are we, sir? Not doing too bad, nice Sasquatch. You're always very generous with your intros, but look, I'll take it. This is where I come for my weekly compliments. Bad. You're a man who gets to sit down with me and waffle show you about sport twice a week. I think you're doing exceptionally well. Doing pretty good now. I'm like Ringo Starr. I'm getting a lot out of life, despite being devoid of talent. Fair. Um, it's a poor exception because the other three blokes in the group are also devoid of talent. But look, that's Whoa. a day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Uh, for the final time in 2023, gents, let's get to Player of the Week. So, Rocky, who's your Player of the Week and why? Got to keep it very simple. I'm beating on the CJ Stroud drum again um, he's just he had a fine week his number one wide receiver Tank Dell went down um, when everybody sort of goes on about your your quarterback needing a, a bona fide number one he was without his for the game and it was a high pressure game against the Broncos really this game decided the playoff fate for the two teams the winner would likely go on and he was just able to, to deliver Um Maybe maybe not impressive, but you just have to keep in mind that this this fella is still a rookie on a team that has been fairly bad routinely for the last number of years, the last decade. Left in. Fair. Um, and Chief. Uh, Let's <clears throat> you who your player yeah, was. So... My player of the week is Tom O'Hearn for Munster. Um, two tries against Glasgow uh, in what's typically a, a niggly match between the two. Uh, thought, I, I think Munster have struck gold by pushing him to six. He gives you that explosiveness in the line-out, but his speed and just his height and everything to be in that 15-metre channel and stuff, is uh, it's like a cheat code. Uh, that they've, they've unlocked and uh, yeah he did a good he did a good all round game he actually got man of the match um, in that game as well so he's he's my player of the week fair um, this probably will go down like the Luftwaffe or whatever the balloon was that fell the Zeppelin classic um, classic phrase with Rocky but <laughs> my player of the week was Debo Samuel. Um, as much as it pains me to say, as a Philadelphia 
Eagle fan, but I just feel like he talked the talk since the NFC Championship game, and by God, he backed it up against us. Um, um, so he's my player of the week. Yeah, I hate it. I hate it, but I can't uh, can't give it. <clears throat> so, gents, if you had to pick one. It's it's a tough one. Um, as much as I'd like it to be Tom Tom O'Hearn, I think it's really between CJ Stroud and Debo, because both of for the significance of what was on the line in both games, um, I'd probably slightly go with CJ Stroud. Okay. Because he's a rookie and he was up against the Broncos and um, yeah, just I tip it to CJ. Yeah, it's a tough one because like you gotta love in sports the sort of the the villain character. Not calling the Forty ers a villain, but for somebody to talk as much shite as um, as Debo did. And then go on to, as you say, Sasquatch to back it up and really lay a thumping on the um, on the Eagles. I think he ended up with three touchdowns. Is is something mm. else? Um, I'm easy. I I I would have tend to, um, to maybe give it to Debo, but that might just be because I'm trying to uh, play off myself as as mature. Pain. And yeah, I've moved on, but uh, so. Yeah, I think I think I I fully take both your points about CJ Stroud, um, and I think he is exceptional. But I don't think he was any more exceptional than he has been throughout the year. But that was probably Debo's best game in his biggest kind of window, and it was a big window mm. of his making. So for that reason, I'm going to probably insist on Debo, if that's agreeable. Insist away, my friend. Yeah, <clears throat> I, 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 I'll change and I'll, I'll go with Debo on that because I think, Fair. yeah, I think CJ has been at that level for the season. Yeah, yeah. Ending yeah. the year on a win. Fair play to you. Nice way to be. Uh, it's little wins, folks. But... Let's get to agree to disagree. So, Rocky, what is your point? Let's go. Right, mine's going to be fairly broad and probably you could get a whole episode out of it. But how has sports betting changed fan engagement, influenced team strategies and affected the overall viewing experience? Um, gonna, we can branch this out to various sports, um, but I'm just going to point the initial emphasis on the NFL um, because we saw... Prior to this season, a flurry of players get suspended for sports betting. Despite you'll see the NFL, it's 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 really embraced it now. They'll show up prop numbers before every game. They'll, you know, they'll cite odds at, from F- FanDuel or ESPN bets. So, um, you know, they're propagating this, but at the same time, and obviously, I I let you take the floor on it, but um. It's it's almost hypocritical in how they broadcast it and 
I think what you're seeing in the NFL is arguably 10 years behind what's going on in, say, the Premier League. Like, we look at, say, someone like Ivan Tony, who is currently facing a sizable ban for betting, yet the club he plays for Brentford is sponsored by a South African-based betting agency in Hollywood Bets. And it's like, it shows the influence and money that, like, I would somewhat understand it if it was like a Ladbrokes or a, a British-based organization. But this is an organization that is um, based in South Africa. Mo- most of its clientele would be South African, but it views the advertising window in the Premier League as being that influenceable mm. on the South African betting market that it, it, it th- it's seen it as a very good opportunity. They also sponsored, I think, the Celsius Sharks, I think, as well. If it, if yeah, Sharks, yeah. I could be wrong. Um, so, <sighs> betting has has been a huge kind of blight in the game. Um, it's funny that we'll... <laughs> There's, there's certain rules in certain countries with alcohol sponsorship in games, but there doesn't seem to be the same appetite to tackle betting when arguably betting is far more accessible for the youth because um, you can do it just via apps and stuff like that. And all I think you really have to do is just confirm your 18, which as many a adolescent teenager has discovered is very easy Um and when the testosterone starts hitting, as you say, yeah, it's um, it's it also it it comes across. I think as it's almost like a guessing game for you know for the younger fans or um, demographic. You know, they're seeing these props or whatever, and to them initially it is just a, oh, can I predict what's going to happen correctly? And then as you say, you just click a box to say you're eighteen. I know you need to submit your ID, but it's 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 very accessible. Um, far more accessible than mm. than alcohol and we're not going to get into an argument over what's the greatest evil but um, yeah it's a very slippery slope well there's all, there is also an, uh, uh, an element too of like we as a society sometimes downplay voices and, and addictions and, and a gambling addiction is a very severe addiction mm. but I suppose because it's not is like if someone's an alcoholic it's very obvious yeah someone with a gambling addiction may not be so obvious so we i think we can sometimes treat it as rather benign and the the lines between someone who religiously has to bet 100 to 100 euro a week on a on any given week Mm -hmm. and someone who's addicted to gambling it's a very blurred line whereas we can all sometimes turn around to a mate and go, look, mate, you are drinking a bit too much here. You might need to scale it back a bit. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's like a silent ad- addiction or something. Like mm. the, there is no physical or obvious signs of it until it's too late when people are, you know, s- stealing from friends and family and stuff. Um, that's the moral side of it, I suppose. Um, <clears throat> which... I think, I think some of the football leagues in in Europe though are looking to maybe ban gambling uh, as main shirt sponsors and stuff. I think even the Premier mm. League maybe oh, 
maybe looking at it um you know like you, you look at like i'd there must be like 75 percent of the premier league were sponsored by gambling companies over the last five ten years even longer like in, in some cases you know mm-hmm. but it's uh it's it's just everywhere and it's okay to put out the message uh when the fun stops stop but like <laughs> you know it that that's that's their it's little checking a box isn't it yeah it's it's just like oh you know it you shouldn't bet beyond your means and stuff like that but it's it is very contradicting though like to have it so in your face in the NFL well, in all sports to mm. for banning players and stuff like that so it's like it's where it's <laughs> where the revenue comes from for all the big contracts and stuff though that's the that's the problem with it yeah obviously um you know betting on the sport you're involved in there's no question about the 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 taboo with that or the yeah of that um yeah, I, I think there is well you think there's an argument to be made that it should be allowed absolutely how so what damn i i i I get betting on games you're involved in. But a lot of Ivan Tony's charges were for games he had no involvement in whatsoever. That shouldn't be taboo. Yeah, if it's if it's outside of your own sure, league yeah. or you know, it, or even within your own league, but games that don't yeah. affect you, um or have any bearing on your team, then mm. you know. Uh really still don't see the, other, the other side is the probably end up with going down the illegal bookies and sharks uh, <laughs> placing their bets and stuff. Do you know, it's like, oh yeah, put put 50 on, uh, put 50 on me to have a, t- a yellow card and four shots on goal this week. 50k now, not uh, <laughs> yeah. not 50 euro. I give, I give away three corners. Yeah, yeah. The back. Yeah, it is, it's, it's dangerous. I suppose... There's one element we've probably script, skipped across, and that's uh, changed fan engagement. Mm. I think it has a potential to drive viewership. As in, I'm just saying, I'm a massive soccer fan here in Ireland, and I'm probably slowly and slowly going down a darker route uh, when it comes to gambling. This is fictitious. Mm. This is not me, by the way. I'm rarely flutter, actually. But uh, I kind of notice I get to Sunday and I'm down. And it's Sunday, 6 p.m. And there's nothing else really on between now and the Champions League football on Tuesday. I'm kind of down for the week. I'm, geez, I might throw on a few bob on the on the NFL. It seems to be a heap of games on at 6 o'clock. Mm. And then slowly over time, I might watch it a bit more because I have a stake in it. So I think it can drive somewhat fandom but it's it's arguably a CD entry level to fandom and I, and I articulate it's probably not fandom in a true sense mm. and it's yeah it's, it's, it's along the lines of what you were saying there Sasquatch there is a uh, a blurred line there because even myself and yourself on our huddles and stout um, whenever we're preview in the week ahead like i'll always give you know the spread and mm-hmm. we pick based on the spread which is inherently you know talking about gambling um mm-hmm. so it's 
and obviously we're not condoning or encouraging people to go out and bet, but it's, it's but the line is so blurred that it's so dangerous. I think just for the NFL to just without a care or any sort of you know afterthought, just put all these props out and then just say when the fun stops, stops. You know. And and ultimately, um, park us aside. Look at the wider kind of media role in it. I'm not saying they're encouraging gambling, but if they're not giving you the props and the, the spreads and stuff like that, well, people are gambling anyway, so it, it's kind of like you're damned if you do, you're damned mm. if you don't. You probably should give the information because it's it's worthwhile information even if people aren't gambling on it. Yes. If that makes yeah. sense. It's just, it's one of those things, it's Sorry. it's not an exact science, it's, I think just uh, with this sort of an issue, with the, the great potential for a lot of social damage, you err on the side of caution on that. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, fair, look, I think, I don't, yeah, as, as you had alluded to in the intro, we could spend the whole episode talking about this, and we'd be here until season four say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill so, Chief, the last time in 2023, what's your point? So, Leinster and Ireland, I suppose, have been somewhat found out in the scrum during the World Cup and so far in the first few weeks of the URC. Um, my thing is, is Tyke Furlong past his best for both Leinster and Ireland uh, or is it just a severe dip in form? And a side note to that is, should Leinster consider switching Andrew Porter back to Tighthead? There's, a, there's a lot in it. A lot in it. Um, I can answer your your second point very quickly. I think it's that's inevitable it will happen. It, it's a case of when. Mm. Um, and I think it'll, it'll happen soon enough. The Tyke Furlong kind of situation is more difficult um, I we would have mentioned kind of the World Cup and stuff and I, I kind of mentioned a few times I just I, I don't feel like I've seen the tag of previous seasons in the last 12-13 months mm. and I think he has kind of kept going on or kept his position almost on reputation as at one stage being the, probably the best tag head in, the, in World Rugby yeah whether that's a case of he has done dust past his best or whether if it's a case of there's been a lot of rugby played and, and he maybe to borrow a corporate expression he might actually be a little bit burnt out mm. um, so whether a rest period would actually do him good and that could be a rest period could be three or four games of just coming in for the last 20 as opposed to playing the first 60 yeah. as he typically does um, I do however tend to think it is the former and I think sometimes 
particularly in Irish rugby, we can be, it's kind of the opposite of like Bill Belichick's favourite expression. It's like, I would rather sell a player a year too soon. And I know you're not, realistically speaking, you're not really selling him mm. as such. But I think sometimes with the central contracts, we can probably hold on to players a little bit too soon. This is going to sound like a horrible take and a horrible kind of stance. But I think a lot of other nations, the more aggressive ones, would have moved off Johnny Sexton prior to the World Cup. Yeah, um, I, I think that's a fair point. I probably would have, like France or New Zealand, if would have done it after 2019. It's like, look, Johnny, we know you're going to be... And listen, he, he was very good. You know, he still... Up until the New Zealand game, like he still looked like he was maybe ten years younger. But then in that New Zealand game, he looked like he was finished. At at yeah. at the and top, look- you know, at the top and stuff. And I, I know we're talking. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, I think um, I think I think with Tig Furlong, I think you're probably right that like a rest period, it's it could be a, just a couple of games coming off the bench. Um, or even if he does half a season um, of being the number two, uh, backing up who Alatoa or mm. whoever is uh, next up uh, in the tie head department there. Um, and ultimately, I think that would benefit Ireland. Like if you had someone like Ty coming on for the last 20, if he gets his, I suppose, his fitness and his form back to 20, 2021 levels, um, you know, he's uh, he's definitely got something to add for a couple more years. There's there's also an element too of like where you to switch for the tie head, and you then assuming that it would be probably Finley Bealen would probably have the 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 backup <laughs> the prediction it will probably be loose probably would he um. I don't know. See, would Finley Bealham would to switch him over to loose? Would cut? I kind of think they would. If if you're making them, yeah, the, the option there is you start Finley Bealham at head. Mm. Regardless of which who is playing who, it's it's a far more mobile front row then, especially when you throw throwing Dan Sheaton or even Ronan Kelly. Yeah, yeah, very it's mobile, far more dynamic yeah. front row. Which suits the style of rugby Ireland have mm. tried to play in the last 12-14 months and I just think that style of rugby is a little bit beyond Tyg Furlong even in his heyday yeah as exceptionally as, as he is and as good as he is in the loose and has been in the loose yeah just think that style of rugby was bridge too far yeah and I, I know um, Finley Bealham has deputised that uh, at loose head in a it was more of a case emergency. Um, mm. But you look at like Healy's 36 now. He's he's done. He may make the Six Nations squad just because of what he offers in terms of his scrummaging and stuff. Dave Kilcoyne at Munster, 34. You know, like these guys are, we're, we're I think we're kind of looking a bit light on our feet for, international quality um props jeremy lockman's a good good 
um, loose head. But is he is he up to the standard of international scrummaging? You know, I think I think there's still questions there. Yeah, and I kind of. I suppose the reason I brought up Sexton is, is, is I see this in a few different spots in within the Irish mm. team, and I think this is the argument for moving off a year too soon. Well, look, now is the perfect time to do it. Yeah. The worst thing that can happen in Irish rugby is we win a Grand Slam this season with the exact same squad that got left the World Cup. Yeah. I would rather get a wooden spoon. Blood and new talent. New players. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think so. I, I I tend to agree with that. Um, the big the big issue though is it's successful Ireland drives Irish rugby financially. Um, Which I guess. Yeah, and I don't know. Like, I think maybe like Leinster are the are Leinster strong enough to win the Champions Cup this year. I don't know. I think I think they're probably a player or two short. Um, they probably are, but what I would say is I have think I would think, and maybe this is look. I'm a rugby fan, so maybe my take here is quite poor. I would think the URC has increased in quality season on season. Mm. So I think by extension, it's it probably is going to slowly start bringing in more casual rugby fans yeah because like a lot of my mates would, wouldn't miss an Irish rugby game but would never watch a D- DURC or any or even provincial games yeah um, starting to tune in yeah I think um, like this year this year you see that uh, like team other like everyone's kind of taking wins like Zebra obviously couple of wins and you know it's uh it's looking good. Um, the who was it? Scarlets. Scarlets played Cardiff last weekend. It was a, a tight affair. Like it was, there was a red card for Cardiff in the match, but it's like if the, definitely the competition is the standards have risen uh, with mm. the with the the big South African teams coming in, as opposed mm. to Absolutely. what we had before with the cheetahs and um, Grickus, was it? Is that yeah, I think so, wasn't it? Yeah, were the Pumas or something like that, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like no, no disrespect to them when they're there. Like the they had good players. Obviously, they ended up moving on to the bigger franchises in South Africa as well and stuff. So it's, um, but yeah, definitely see the standard and like Etzebet is you know there, there's more of the World Cup winners sticking around in South Africa. Um, and there's serious quality coming through, and it, it probably it probably will benefit the likes of Leinster because they know they can't take an armchair ride throughout no. the regular season. Um, and maybe it's what those players need is a uh, bit of bit of extra tough competition, um, and more minutes under the belt, you know. Uh, yeah um, fair and look I'm gonna round out agree disagree with a very airy fairy comment but look I just think 
Giving us final episode of the season, final episode of the year. Crystal ball time, gents. Give me your boldest, wildest prediction for all of 2024, sporting-wise. I don't want to hear about your takes on the fall of communist China. <laughs> Who wants to go first? I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll, let, I'll start I'll off. I'll let you go, Rocky. Yeah, yeah, I'll start off. And this is purely to uh, endear myself to you, Chief. But I'm predicting that the 2024 Chicago Bears will win the NFC North. Um, I do, I, I do like the sound of that. Yeah, I'll, I'll flesh it out just a little bit. Um, I think we've seen a bit of steady progression from Justin Fields. Um, they're on track to get the number one pick, and if they're happy with Justin Fields, they can probably package that pick to move for a. a, a you know, a, a slew of additional picks to, to round out that team. Um, it's looking like there might be a, a coaching change moving on from Matt Eberflus mm. um, might move yeah. to um, a, an offensive-minded coach of which there's quite a few candidates, um, enticing candidates. And not only that, within the division, uh, there's a great opportunity for the Lions to regress uh, it's likely they'll lose their highly tutored offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson. Um, their defense has been a big weakness, and they're likely to either stay with their poor DC or, or bring in another one and continue in the discontinuity. Um, the Vikings and the Green Bay Packers, are they're also trapped in the sort of that... You know, that sort of tier of teams that we say are in purgatory good enough to not get a good draft pick and vastly improve their their deficiencies um with that high caliber mm. pick um you know the the Packers need help everywhere the Vikings need a a bona fide quarterback um so I think I think there's a great chance that the Chicago Bears are next year's wow surprise team the Houston Texans of 2024 mm I like I like the sound of that. Yeah, I don't think it's too far think, fetched um, either. I know we said bold predictions, but I think it's a it's a reasonable path for them to get there. I think so. Like look, looking at their like some of their defeats this year have only been one score defeats again. Like and it was the same last season. Like without an actual offensive coordinator to do anything with fields, it's they're winning in spite of. Mm their coaching ticket um sorry the games they've won is it's in spite of the coaching uh as opposed to because of the coaching um so i i only for for this i've just kind of picked a couple of uh different sports like the winners of them for in 2024 and some some you'll like, some I don't think you will. <laughs> Sasquatch, you'll you'll like my Premier League prediction winners. I think it's Arsenal's year to to do it. I, I just think looking looking at how shaky City have been, um they're not usually shaky coming up to Christmas. I know they have the break uh now for the Club World Cup. Um mm. but they're, they're never usually shaky november into december and they're they're looking they're looking beatable by 
like a lot a lot of teams and I think I know Arsenal had a, a was seven goal thriller last night or Tuesday night Tuesday night yeah, yeah. Um, um, I I tend to agree with half of that I I don't think the Premier League winners this year are going to be City but I still you're not sure I'm if it's Arsenal not convinced I think it's probably at this stage if I had to predict it today I would say it is more likely Liverpool I just can't say that <laughs> which I know which I guess yeah. that would be I, I, I've seen I've, I've, I've seen uh, I've, I've seen Liverpool only win the Premier League once in my life I've seen Arsenal three times isn't it fair yeah so uh, I've, I've more respect for Arsenal than I do for <laughs> Liverpool Um Super Bowl winners, no surprise who I'm going to go with. Uh, we talked about it earlier with uh, the overall player of the week from us, Debos, and the 49ers. I think um, I think we we spoke about Brock Purdy um, and is he the guy? You know, has he has he got the tools in the box or the the bag to to do it? I think he I think he has. He's he's got great players around him and I think uh, yeah I think it's 49ers year this year I keep the receipt on that one mm. it's tough to argue with it though uh, I think they do look like the best team both sides of the ball yeah I think um, like the Eagles can still absolutely turn it around I think if if the offense gets fire in there you will blow teams away Um which obviously hasn't hasn't been happening, um, and then I've uh, two two more predictions I'll go with, and it's the URC um, is the first one, and I think the Bulls of South Africa are going to win the URC out right this year. Okay. Yeah, and then I'm going for Bath in the Gallagher Premiership. Um. Trying to think if I have any more to add to that. The bold prediction of mine is that the Lakers win the NBA championship. It's I know backing up, it's just a gut feel, it's, mm. it's a bold prediction. Um that's why I decided to, to yeah. sh- throw it throw it out there. I just think I I have believed for a few years LeBron has a championship left in him and I think this is probably the last real opportunity. Um, and I, I feel it would be something he would deserve mm. regarding the Super Bowl I actually feel like going back to the Super Bowl so which means they'd have to beat the 49ers in the, in the NFC, Championship, NFC Championship the reason yeah. for that is they have talked and talked and talked all year long about we're winning but we're not playing well we're winning but we're not playing mm. well I think once they get over the Cowboys they're going to have to rest Jalen Hurts to get them ready for the for this, um, playoffs and I just have a feeling that there's this flick is going to switch. That could be personal bias. Mm. More than happy to admit that. Um, and the other prediction that's not too bold either. Ten Hag doesn't see out the season. Well, it's something I was kind of talking about a couple of weeks back as well, or last week. Um, would not shock me if uh, if he did not finish out the season. Um, and I, I would feel that he will kind of have a good run over Christmas until about mid-January and the wheels will kind of fall off again. 
And you know you get rid of him after the transfer window when it's too late to turn around the season. Yeah. It's my prediction. Yeah, that that's you, you can see it unfolding exactly like that. That they'll have they'll have a, a bump in form or, or I suppose like they're what they lost to Newcastle, beat Chelsea. It's you know, tit for tat like in that kind of top six mm. battle and stuff. Um but yeah, it's it's hard to it would be typical United though to first of February, right, you're gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Transfer window closed, it's like can't do anything. Probably won't have offloaded any of the the dead wood that needs to be gone, um, in January either. So yeah, I think I think that's much less of a bold prediction. Fair. Um and that kind of draws a nice end to really dis- disagree for twenty twenty three. Moving on, we're doing the must-see TV. We're doing the must-see Christmas edition. So it's what each ball bag thinks is the top three games you need to see this festive period. Um, kind of something that just literally popped into my head. Let's just give them the days and the times. Um, and it's up to them to kind of look up the TV schedule. Rocky. To you up first. Okay. Um, just by pure happenstance, I kind of picked three significant enough dates. I've got a game on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and on New Year's Eve, which is lovely. Spoken like a man who hates his family. Uh, first game is uh, the Dallas Cowboys in Miami. Should be just two highfalutin teams playing America's sport. Uh, Christmas Day, then. Yeah. Hello, I'm back. You're there. <laughs> Christmas Day, we've got the Giants um, in Philadelphia. Probably less of a competitive, uh, a competitive game, but you know you want to sit back. You want to have to, you know, you can enjoy it. You don't need to get stressed, and you love seeing New York get housed. Well, then this is the game for you. Um, and then Boston Scott. Boston Scott game. Remember the yes, name? sir. And then um, on New Year's Eve, the Detroit Lions at the Dallas Cowboys. Again, I, I know I've picked two Dallas games, which I wasn't really happy with myself about. But um, <laughs> again, it should You're be... You're hoping for two losses. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, could be, it could be a great game now. You know, two high-powered yeah. offenses. Um, obviously, the, the Cowboys at this stage will be fighting for the division Detroit will probably have it wrapped up by then but you'll have two teams really fighting for for that game fair Um, Chief what are your fixtures so my fixtures are um, Friday probably when most people are finished work on the 22nd we've got some Gallagher Premiership action between Sale Sharks and Saracens uh two teams going pretty well um should should be a good game um again something something just to watch on that friday evening after work if you're not headed straight to the pub and you're just chilling at home um i think that'd be 
that's a, a a game to a game to watch. And my next game then is it's officially Stevens's day, but it's Christmas Christmas night into Stevens's day morning. Uh, quarter past one. It's the San Francisco 49ers and the Ravens. Um, I think two two very good teams uh, going up against each other. I think it's you'll probably be up having your fourth turkey sandwich. Uh, so it's just some, something to have on and to watch. And Should be a great game there. Finally... My final game to watch then, uh, where are we? Sorry, uh, it's on the twenty eighth of December. We have Brighton against uh, Spurs, uh, half seven on. It's on Prime Video, or however you watch your football. Um, again, two two teams I think uh, going well and. Should be should be a good festive game, I think. Fair. Um I've decided to follow Sweet Jew Chief and I've gone, you know, variety is the spice of life. Not for me. As opposed to not, the other fella not for me. who is the equivalent of opening a tin of celebrations to understand it is filled with bounties. Oh lovely bounties. Two Dallas Cowboy games. Are you for real? Anyway, bounties get a lot first of game, you hate. Currently, first versus second in the Premier League, it is Liverpool Arsenal on the twenty third to the twelfth at half five, and it is during this game, it will dawn on you, balls. I need to start the Christmas shopping tomorrow. <laughs> second game, I know you've mentioned a bit of NFL this Christmas, but for me, Christmas is synonymous with basketball. And what an old school classic matchup we have. 10 o'clock on Christmas Day. Celtics versus the Lakers. Segways you lovely into the 49ers-Ravens game. And finally, it wouldn't be Stevens Day. Very good derby. And I've gone Munster-Leinster. It is on at 25 to 8 Irish time. But uh, there's all our picks for what is you to be another phenomenal Christmas of sport gents it has been my absolute pleasure sitting down with you on a Thursday night over the last few months and weeks wish you a very Merry Christmas yeah I share I share that same sentiment sentiment Sasquatch thanks for having me Uh, kind of thought you'd thought you'd have Uh, enough of me from our our normal segment (laughs) yeah I'd uh, say exact same it's it's been a pleasure gents and uh wishing you all the best well that's all from me that's all from me and that's it for me thank you and merry christmas